Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 104th edition of the PJ Archive. It's one of several interviews I was very fortunate to do with the great British singer-songwriter and record producer Robin Gibb, who was best known as a member of the massively successful group The Bee Gees, alongside his twin brother Morris and their elder brother Barry. This interview took place at his home in Oxfordshire, England, where he was living with his wife Dwina and their son Robin John, known as RJ. It was September 2004, 19 months after the tragic death of Morris at the age of 53. Robin himself died in May 2012, aged just 62, which makes some of what he said in this interview particularly poignant but we started by talking about a tour of Germany he was planning, amongst other projects. With the Philharmonic Orchestra, it's a specialised kind of tour. It's uh, it's a short one, but I'm doing just specialised events. Um, More or less, a a BG doing his own thing for a few days on tour. I'm not really pursuing a solo career. So it's kind of uh, rubbing of the BGs on his own for a few days uh, with the Philharmonic Orchestra in Germany. And is this part of a world tour or just a one-off trip to Germany? It's just a one-off. Uh, I wouldn't say if it's a one-off trip to Germany or one-off trip to anywhere. It's just me enjoying myself uh, and expressing myself on my own for a bit because I'm still working with Barry. Yeah. And we have future projects planned, uh, including songwriting, of course, for, for other people. So, again, it's just part of a whole lot of things uh, that we're doing. There's Barry's doing stuff on his own in the States at the moment. And we're going to be getting together later on in the year. Um, there is a Bee Gees number ones album coming out in the UK and the US and Europe in November, which um, which I think is on about the third number one albums yeah. to have been released apart from Elvis and the Beatles. So that comes out then, and so me and Barry will be getting together, maybe to promote on that, particularly in the UK and, and America. And of course, there's a possibility that we'll be writing a new Barbara Streisand album, which uh, will be uh, in the fall. She's finishing the new um, Meet the Parents movie at the moment. She's the mum in that, and starting on that. So um, that's all going ahead. There's also uh, a New York musical uh, opening on Broadway next year, which is all of our music, written by Chris Hampton. He's uh, doing the scripts now, and uh, the script will be ready by spring uh, to go on in the fall. So is then, that the BG story? BG story. It is. Yeah, biography. And it opens on Broadway and the West End. I think Broadway first, in this case, yeah. next year. And... Uh, because so we have Saturday Night Fever on the West End right now at the Apollo. Yes, of course. It just yeah. comes because it's the second run that's come yeah. back on. Yeah. And how involved are you going to be in the musical? And what's it going to be called? We don't know what it's called yet. We know it's biographical. At first, Nederlander wanted it to be abstract, and then we changed our mind. So, well, you know, a lot of people are doing abstract at the moment with, yeah. with music. So we thought we'd go biographical and give them something different, and and it covers the wide. A spectrum of Bee Gees music, the songs that we've written for other people, particularly, and also uh, from the beginning of our career right up, so it's not just covering certain yeah. sections of our career. As um, I mean, Saturday Night Fever, for instance, the musical just covers the, the fever period, but so this is covering the whole wide spectrum of, of songs written for Barbara Streisand, you know, and uh, Chain Reaction, Diana Ross, and Emotion and stuff. Um, yeah, the, so the, the whole broad spectrum. Will you have editorial control over that? Yeah, I think we'll be definitely deeply involved in this, right. uh, not just as, as songwriters, so uh, we'll be definitely involved in, in the production. Mm. Is that going to be an easy journey for you to take, to, to relive all those memories through that kind of show? Um, once 
I think the only time we'll be reliving the memories is actually getting down the story on paper before Chris Hampton to write the scripts and then the director to adapt it for stage. Um, to watch is going to be easier than actually talking about it. I think, um, you know, uh, the, the only painful part of my whole life is because is losing Morris, and I think that's, you know, losing Morris so early and so soon uh, and in perfect health is probably for any family. Um, and particularly hard for me because he was a, he was a colleague. He was uh, not just a friend, but also a creative uh, colleague that shared all our aspirations and goals, you know, through your whole life. And that's harder to bear than, say, a brother that lived, you know, miles apart and in a different world altogether. So, yeah, and, and that's, uh, you know, Morris is an integral part of, of your life and the Bee Gees. So that's, in a sense, is always going to be hard, whether, whether they do the show or not, you know, so... Why did you choose Germany for this kind of one-off series of Well, it's being filmed, and we wanted to just do... Uh, because the, the Philharmonic Orchestra that actually approached us and asked us if we, we would want to do a show. I don't think Barry wanted to do a show at this point anywhere, but a show that they wanted themselves, they approached us. And so I thought, well, I've got a few days off in September and volunteered that mm. I wouldn't mind doing it just for some mm. fun, you know, and, and, I, was, and, uh, and I enjoyed the idea of working with, with the Philharmonic. So. When did you last do a solo concert as such? Well, it's not difficult to do a solo concert. When you say a solo, I mean, when you sing on stage, even with the Bee Gees, and I think you'll see, if you see with other groups, like, like the Beatles or, or, or Fleetwood Mac, a lot of the times you'll get one of them singing songs on their own. Sure. And, and it's not really a, a difficult thing. You can be alone on your stage doing your thing, even with a group, so mm. it's not that difficult to do. Mm. And in terms of uh, going out and promoting, well, you know, you do that uh, even with a group, so it's not it's not too, too difficult. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't really think about it in terms. Of, actually, I'll be on stage. I'll be thinking to myself always as a Bee Gees mm. uh, on stage, whether I'm on my. Uh, so it's not really a solo thing. Mm. Do you have a particularly large following in Germany? Is it one of your best markets? I don't know. Um, um, we have tremendous reactions wherever we go. I think the Bee Gees, you know, have been going for so long and, and had tremendous success in every market that we, we, we're following. We did Wembley. We got 100,000 at uh, Wembley and we did there. Yeah, I don't think we've ever done a show as big as that in Germany. Yeah, but Wembley was, was tremendous. So it, 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 that's anything to go by. I think all the markets are pretty good for the Bee Gees. Do you have any particular memories of fans or events in Germany over the years? Uh, it's, they're a particularly loyal lot Germany for, for, for our music and they were there right at the very beginning as well I think it was the first country that uh, the Bee Gees broke in before, before the UK so it's um, yeah I think um, it's been pretty loyal and it's a pretty solid following but then again so is, so is the UK mm. you know? so mm. it's, it's, been pretty, it's been pretty good for us Obviously, as you say, you're popular all over the world. Wherever you've toured, have you made an effort to learn a few phrases and things? And do you know any German? Ein mit Milch. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. On tea with milk. <laughs> Which, of course, you know you need every day when you're, when you're on tour. You need to know these vital pieces of information. <laughs> but do you learn a few sort of greetings to, to the crowd and what sort of thing? Mm, not really, actually. I mean, quite a lot of the Germans. I mean, they just they just like you speaking in English a lot of right. the time. It's it's quite unusual, really. But if you look at the pop charts in Germany, they do like their songs yeah. in English. They don't like you. Mm. We've offered many times to sing songs in German, as a lot of groups do. You may not yeah. know this, but a lot of groups, American groups in particular, do yeah. a lot of Spanish versions of their songs, and uh, and some will do French. We just never did it because yeah. when we when we volunteered to do German versions, they said the Germans actually said no. 
they like their songs in English. Because the Beatles did a couple of uh, hits in German. They did at the very beginning, and then then didn't do it anymore. It's hard work uh, to get it right. But in the end, they they decided in Germany they'd like Mm. their songs in English. Have you driven any German cars or anything like that? Oh, yeah, I have a Mercedes-Benz. I've always been Mercedes. Uh, right. I best best cars in the world, so I've always driven them. And, uh, yeah. Have you spent much time looking around the country at all? Any nice places you've seen? Or well, you've Germany's been? a beautiful country, yeah. uh, and there's so many different parts. And, of course, a lot of Germans always see themselves as being separate from the rest of Germany because, mm. uh, you know, you get Bavaria being Bavarian and Prussians mm. being Prussians, and, mm. and there's so many different parts of, of Germany that... They think that are the best. Of course, Bavaria is beautiful. It's got the mountains and things like that. And uh, so, yeah, it's, to me, it's one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Do you make a point when you visit a new country to actually spend some time there and get to know it a bit? Um, yes, uh, of course. I've been going to Germany as a lot of British acts for, for on and off for, for, for years and years, and so it becomes like a you know like a second home in a way. It's so familiar to you, mm. and a lot of British artists usually get there groundwork in places like Germany so in a, in a way it becomes so familiar to you in the mm. end it's, it's hard to be you know to see it as a, as a, as a foreign country mm. When was Magnet released over there? Same time as it was in the UK do you know? Uh, probably roughly yes mm. yeah, You don't yeah. sort of keep an eye on how it fares in different countries? Not really no no. Mm. I just I just go in the studio and make an album that I think is my, my favourite at that particular time and then put it out mm. That must be a measure of your success. I imagine in the early days you probably kept an eye on every chart placing. Didn't you? I think you do, yeah. I think when you're starting out, you're a little bit more enthusiastic than that. And, uh, and, uh, I think what happens is, um, I mean, serious markets like the US and the UK obviously are very important uh, at the end of the day. Um, and, of course, my view has always been that the BGs have always come first. You see. So I probably take more, more, more pride and enthusiasm on BG projects. What will your German concerts comprise? What can people expect when they go along? Well, I think they could, what they should go and see is not going to see a, a solo artist, but see one of the Bee Gees performing Bee Gees songs on stage right. and, uh, and really just see me as, as part of the Bee Gees, doing his own thing for a bit and, and getting to get back together with Barry later on in the year. Mm. Will there be a tribute to Morris in the stage show? Well, um, in the stage show, yeah, but there will be, me and Barry are planning a tribute concert for Morris in the new year with a lot of uh, huge American acts, key principal acts, worldwide acts today. Um, uh, Quite a lot of big acts like Alicia Keys and Outkast and people like that. And uh, and that's being put together now. So that's being put together by me and Barry. Right. It'll be in America or over here or both? It'll take place in America. Right. I mean, there could be one in the UK as well. It could be the same show in the UK. Mm. But the principal show will take take place in Los Angeles. So you won't do anything special on your actual stage show on this journey? I'll, I'll obviously dedicate a, a song to Morris, and in a sense, everything I do is a, is a tribute to Morris, so I couldn't do anything in my life if he hadn't, hadn't sure. been there. So. Maybe we know which song. I don't I haven't decided yet. Right. Yeah. Are there any songs you won't sing now? Because just no, I don't think, I, in a sense, that would be wrong to actually leave out songs that, that, that Morris also worked uh, together to, to establish so it wouldn't be right to, to, to stop doing things because mm. Morris died I think Morris wouldn't want that and, uh, and I think it's important for the legacy of the Bee Gees because he's part of the legacy And how much sort of collaborating are you doing at the moment how much is solo projects I mean you're doing working with Alistair Griffin quite recently right? Well that was yeah that was, a, uh, that was at Christmas but I, I'm not working with him at the moment and um, uh, collaboration really uh, any collaborations I'll be doing in the future will be with Barry now rather oh, okay. than 
And does it kind of feel strange to be working just the two of you now? Well, of course, that, that, that's, that's natural, but it's, it's something that we, uh, we accept quite quickly because we know that's the way it's got to be. And maybe we know if you've decided on how you're going to call yourselves. Well, we decided at first not to continue with the Bee Gees, and this was put out on the news that you know, the Bee Gees will not be called the Bee Gees anymore. Mm-hmm. And then we changed our mind and we thought, well, you know, that's, nobody's going to think of us as anything but the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. So it's pointless changing our name and, mm-hmm. and branding ourselves anything else because everyone will call us the Bee Gees anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's really a moot point. Is your relationship with Barry different now? No, no, my, my relationship with Barry is very much the same. Um, it's, uh, it hasn't, Morris's death hasn't affected uh, our relationship. Obviously, we're the two remaining brothers now, but there's, there's no one else after, after me and Barry. And so it's very, excuse me, very important that we, you know, we do give each other the emotional and professional support that, that we need. We can't, I mean, obviously, um, it's, it's, it's difficult, but that's the way it is and that's the way life is. I mean, mm. life goes on, we have to work together. Has your work, particularly your sort of inspiration and your lyrics, changed over the last sort of 19 months? Um, I wouldn't say that they've changed very much. Um, the, 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 I don't think it'll affect the writing. No, I don't think that's, it will. I don't think it will, go, it will go that deep to where it'll actually affect our work. How about your attitude towards your work? Has that changed at all? Well, not my attitude towards my work. My attitude, my attitude towards life has changed to the point where where it would make people more spiritual, it's made me more active, it's made me more uh, want to work more than not, um, where it would actually affect somebody the other way around, it actually makes me want to work. It also makes me less spiritual, I don't feel as spiritual as I did actually uh, before Morris died, I, I feel more that, hey, this is, this is all we have right now, we don't have yesterday, we don't have tomorrow, we only have the, the moment we're living in, and that's the moment, that's all you have. And you've got to use it. And that's what I'm doing. And you're sort of less aware of that before. Yeah. And I realised with Morris suddenly going, almost overnight, that it's only the moment we live in. We can only... Yesterday is only really a memory, and tomorrow we can only think about. And all we really have, realistically, is the moment we're, we're in. So when you say you're more driven now, is that because you're thinking in terms of your work as your legacy, in a way? Yeah, and also your your therapy, it's all really you have. I mean, there is nothing else uh, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I'm not a good time person. I have a good time through work. I'm not really a person who wants to sit up in nightclubs and drink all night. Mm. I'm not a party person mm. and ne- never really have been. Uh, I think when you work, you're actually contributing something to, um, to your life and other people's lives, and that's the most important thing to me. Do you feel you've changed as a person, and if so, in what ways? I think I've matured in a way that um, not, uh, I think uh, it's very hard to put, um, I don't think take things lightly anymore. Um, I, I, I've always had a great sense of humour, but I actually see the serious side of things more now. When I say serious, um, I don't t- take things for granted anymore because everything feels a little bit more fragile. You know, uh, It's made, made me wonder, you think about your own mortality and other people's and how long you've got, got somebody in the world. So, in fact, I'm a little more fearful than I used to be. To what extent have you been sort of encouraged by the public support? I imagine you've got some wonderful support. Yeah, they were tremendous, and also a lot of uh, people in the industry were fantastic. But then, you know, you get humbled by the fact that, you know, it's a bit selfish because there are 
thousands and thousands of people lose people every day, you know, and you know, you're just one of them. And people are going through this as you speak, even now, you know. So one has to get it in perspective that it's just not, it's just not about you, you know. You, you may be experiencing what other people feel, but of course it's your own personal on 911, isn't it, really, when something like what Morris with Morris, uh, everything dates from when Morris died to me. It, it was like my personal 9-11. It was, where was I when Morris died? Where was, you know, everything seems to date from that time. So. May we have an, an idea of how many sort of letters you received and gifts and things? Thou- hundreds of thousands. It was incredible. Uh, it wasn't so much gifts, but that's, uh, the, the actual show support was actually tremendous, and people in the, in the industry, from McCartney to Elton... Uh, Eric Clapton and people like that were well, all great friends. Morris's as well, you know. It was just it was just wonderful show support. It's kind of times like those when you re- it really dawns on you quite mm. how much love and support yeah. there is. Yeah, yeah, it, it was fantastic. And uh, the very nice thing was getting the Grammy Legends Award in New York uh, the four weeks after Morris died, which was very poignant. And we've got and um, there was a, a huge wreath on the well, on our star in the. On Hollywood Walk, yes, a giant wreath on there. And often you get strangers who you've never even met before, or have no connection. Well, that's that's normal, yeah. yeah. In What's this the most business. touching thing you've seen? I don't really, I can't remember anything touching that, that stands out. It's just a tremendous show of support that we got. It was fantastic, but I can't, I can't really put my finger on one one that stands out. Have you found yourself reminiscing and looking back, or do you try not to do that? I try not to do. I find it too painful looking back. Obviously, there are moments, you know. Um, in fact, strangely enough, the moments I look back on are the moments when we were, we were kids, talking about what we wanted to do, you know, when I was like 11 or 12, and the idea of what we might do in the future, and, and the music that we were getting turned on by, and, and, and the three of us talking to each other. And that's where, where Morris's memories come to me, you know, when he was a little kid, you know. It must give you tremendous satisfaction to know that you've surpassed any possible dreams you could have had. Yeah, I, it has, and... and and that's you know I kind of wish that, you know well you know sometimes it's, I think well Morris you know he did what we wanted to do and now he's gone and I keep trying to put it into into a kind of compartment and say well maybe that's what he came for you know and uh, but then I think well no because you know that's sort of that's too simple you know Morris as far as I'm concerned died of negligence and he wasn't meant to die you know and that was all there is to it so you know he could have been still here I hope so. As I say, I, I don't really know because I've never really had an experience where you know he's come back or tried to get in touch with me, as we all wish some people will do. You know. mm. um, but I, I, I like to think he is, yeah. And how often? Because you say you're working really hard. How often do you give yourself a break and perhaps to go on holiday or take it easy? Um, it's 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 hard, really, because I don't really like taking long breaks. Um, of course, then Miami's a nice place to take a break in, even mm. live in. So I commute quite a lot between here and Miami. Why don't you like taking a break? Because you love your work so much. Well, I do like work. Uh, I suppose I should take more breaks more often. It's, um, it's just something that never really sort of dawned on me, going on holiday, you know. You're easily bored when there's not yeah, around. tremendously bored, yeah. So what... I feel like I'm wasting my time. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that um, how you look at it now, especially? Yeah, you know? yeah. I, don't, I really don't like doing nothing, you know. Mm. But I should relax, I should go on holiday, I should have hobbies, I don't have hobbies, you know. Mm. So there's a nothing you can do apart from work that gives you a sense of satisfaction and 
non-modern. No. I, I wish there was, actually, but apart from reading, there isn't. Mm. So even if you went Holly, you'd take a little keyboard with you, wouldn't you? Yeah. Is that right? Uh, I mean, I will take a keyboard with me and a recorder, mm. but yeah, a tape recorder. But uh, yeah, even then, I feel guilty, you know, I just feel guilty mm. wasting time. So what sort of hours are you working? Well, it's not hours working, I just... It's working on projects that I like doing. It's not. I mean, I won't work just for no reason at all. I'd be mm. up to be working on something. But a lot of people would say, you know, you've achieved far more than anyone could ever imagine. Mm. So, what's your incentive now? Well, incentive is is life and uh, and creativity. And while you have energy and life for that, that's what you want to keep on doing. And it's just the enjoyment of the process or the satisfaction of the finished product. Both. Sometimes like, finishing something is, is quite sad, really, but, but working on something, developing something and bringing it to, to a completion is very, very satisfying. And how often do you have time with Dwina? And how often are you in the same country? Well, it's not too bad, actually, because, I mean, she has work that she does. I mean, she writes, and uh, she's writing a play at the moment, and um, which looks like that could go on uh, in Broadway. So, no, so, so she has a career as well, mm. so, that's, um, so it's pretty good. And they've got RJ working on his music as well. Yeah, real industrious now. Yeah. And how often are you actually together, though, for like a few months of the year or the whole year? Or? Well, yeah, on and off. We're together nearly the whole year. So, mm. you know, because if I fly to the States, she'll join me, or I come back, and then she'll join me here. Mm. So, we're, you know, it's, it's maybe a few weeks apart at any given time. I'm resident in the States at the moment, but I, I might be changing back. Mm. Do you feel... That's, that's where it is, This yeah. is more home to you? Yeah, you write very romantic songs. Are you as romantic as the songs? Actually, um, I wish I was, but I'm a bit like an actor in that way, that I reserve all my characters for, mm. for the songs. It's a strange thing that a lot of people think that your songs are biographical, you know. Mm. But if they were, you'd be exhausted if, if you were living mm. the life of the songs, as an actor would be for all the parts you played. So, um, in a sense, you have to put yourself in a position... Of a song that you're writing, and then and then write about the, the emotions that surround it. Have you written about Dwina or a song for her? Um, no, not yet. I haven't done that. And how much of a support has she been over the last? You know, oh, she's been months? tremendous, and it's just always been there and uh, solid as a rock. And, and what about the children? How often do you see your children? Well, Spencer's in Austin, Texas. He has a group there recording. Oh, right. And she's recording and, and doing live shows. Mm-hmm. And then there's Melissa. She, she she does translations. She speaks fluent Arabic and does translations in London. She lives and works and lives in London. And RJ, who's producing and writing, and uh, as we speak. How do you feel about your sons following in your footsteps into music? Well, I've always said whatever my sons and daughters wanted to do, they'd have my blessing. Mm-hmm. And um, if it's music, and if it's a different kind of music, and that's they'll have my blessing too. And and, and if they want, you know, my support and, and advice at any time, then I'll, I'll give it. But if they know what they're doing, and it seems that they do, then I'll let them get to carry on with it. And how often do they ask for your advice? Do, they actually, do you actually get involved with them? Uh, only when they want me to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I will sort of go in as whole, you know, because when I listen to them, what they're doing, it sounds fine. And I just think, so. I just, if it sounds great, I'll tell them it sounds great mm-hmm. and let them move on. I said to Dwina, have they got a contract yet? And she said, no, but they will. In other mm, words, yeah. are you going to open a few doors for me? Well, no, I, mean, I think the music will open the doors themselves, but I certainly have contacts in terms of, uh, of the exposure that the tracks need. Mm. And uh, I have no doubt you know, they will get 
mm-hmm. recording contracts that, 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 just by listening to the music. Mm. Would they team up with your nephews and nieces and things? I don't know if they'll do that. They're a generation of Bee Gees. Uh, I don't know if they'll if they'll be a, uh, they'll team up with a family. Um, mm. Again, there was a family so spread out and mm. uh, in different parts of the world, mm. they don't see each other that often. How often are you all together? The, the, you know, with your not very family. often actually. Strangely enough, we don't normally get together that much that often, but mm. we try to when we can. Mm. And do you see yourself in the two boys particularly and the way they're producing their music? Do you sort of think, oh, this is exactly what I would have done? Has to be. Um, not really. Uh, they definitely have their own styles and the way of different way of approaching things, uh, which is good. Um, there's just uh, different ways of doing things. I mean, RJ is different to, to doing things to Spencer, and Spencer's different uh, to RJ and to me. So yeah, I, I think in a way that's pretty healthy, uh, and I just like to get on with it. Do you think it's been hard for them growing up in your shadow with your name and reputation? Oh, I think it's hard for any kid uh, mm. to do that. And I think that's probably why they want to go ahead and push in a in different direction. I imagine you're really proud of them. I'm very proud of them. And you've got two dogs now. And I've got two dogs to boot. <laughs> Not to actually boot, but <laughs> two boots. Yeah, two Irish wolfhounds. Oh, uh, well, I've got three dogs, actually. I've got one in America, which is a, a Great Dane. Wow. So I've got a Great Dane over there and two Irish wolfhounds over here. And what's the Great Dane called? Rocky. Right. And how old is he? He's about five now, and uh, the two dogs were a year and, and two years old, the two Irish wolfhounds. So why did you get these two? Well, I think it's, well, it's a big house, you see, and, uh, and, I, and they don't bark very much, mm. and they're big. So if they're roaming around the grounds and somebody decides to come into the grounds, mm. they'll be scared, but they won't get bitten, <laughs> you see. So it's best, I think, I don't want them to so bite anyone. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And tell us about this extraordinary weather you've been having and this tornado that you had just a couple of nights ago. Yeah, it, it's, it took a lot of trees out. It was, it, to me, it must have come close to about 200 miles an hour. Um, it just sort of kept like a, an express train. Just, I've never seen anything like it. I've seen tropical storms before in Miami and India, but never like that here. And for a moment, I thought it was just going to be um, one of the... I, I, I mean, it just got so bad the wind at one point, I didn't think it was going to stop accelerating. But I, I thought at one point it reached 200 miles an hour. As you say, you'd expect it in Florida, where it's yeah. famous for hurricanes, but not here. Yeah. So it's I've, I've, for you, it was, and I'm, yeah. I've never actually seen anything in Florida like it. How involved do you get in the local community here? Do you ever go down the pub and sort of... I'm not a pubber. I don't really go down to the pub very much. And RJ will go to the pub occasionally. And that. But I, I don't really socialise with the, with the locals very much. Mm. Um, it's not because I'm a snob or anything like that. I'm just... It's just my nature. I'm, I'm just a, an introvert. I don't really socialise very well. I'm just like a sociophobia or whatever. I, I'm better off with, the, with a handful of people in a room than... Mm. Uh, I can't really go into a, to a place full of strangers. Because you know? when, when being who you are, of course, all, all, all the one to do is talk about is, is the music business and who you know and yeah. uh, what it's like. And it, so it's, it's a bit wearing off. It does, and after a while, yeah. it's, it's not really chums, you know, around the counter chatting, you know. So. Duina describes you as a loner. Would you agree with that? Um, I think I am, yeah. I don't see myself as a loner. I just, I can think better and do things when, when I'm on my own, but I don't really want to be 
alone, but I, I like to be, you know, with a lot of people, I can escape sometimes. Mm. As you said, you have a macrobiotic diet, and you're a very real fitness yes. fanatic. A macrobiotic diet, that's just brown rice and vegetables. Um, I can eat french fries occasionally, but not a lot. And But everything's soya. Of course, there's no meat, no fish, nothing like that. And in my cereal, I have soy milk. So there's, there's no milk at all. Is that because it's, it would harm your system if you had other stuff, or do you just want to be as fit as possible? I want to be as fit as possible, and it can harm your system to a certain point because of a lot of the chemicals that are in milk, for instance. So, yeah, um, just want to be as fit as possible. How long have you been on this regime for? Oh, about 20 years now. Oh, really? Yeah. And what started you off with? Well, I've never really been a great meat eater to begin with, so, and I never really enjoyed meat. So um, I just stopped eating it. And never, I haven't had meat for 20 years. And RJ is actually born and never eaten meat in his life. He's oh. 21 now. He's never had any meat in his whole life. Blimey. And you don't miss it? No. You yeah, never want to have a bit of a naughty night and, and eat lots of naughty yeah, He's never been attracted to meat whatsoever. Oh. And, and you he's never had you know, it. You never want to you know, go a bit mad and have... No. Never drink alcohol? Or no. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Drugs? Mm-hmm. When I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how, what's kind of, uh, have you had any sort of celebrity dues here recently? Because I remember the last time you thought you'd had a couple of people up, I think Bill Wyman had been around here or something. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, occasionally, I mean, yeah. I mean, we get still yeah, up to Tim Rice and people like that, <coughs> and Billy Connolly and people like that. We've always been good friends over the years who come by. John Hurt. You still have lots of parties here, or has it been quite quiet? Uh, yeah, I don't really have a party person. It's just when we feel like it. I don't think we just go out of our way to have parties, you know. It has to be an occasion. Uh, but there hasn't really been an occasion. But, I mean, but we do visit. We see these people all the time, and we see, we see them when we're... Uh, when you're touring, they come and see you, and uh, when you're doing shows, they come, and then we go, we talk, we go to dinner afterwards, or in the same town, and, and in L.A., they have homes there. We visit them there, and... So, I mean, you're, we're seeing all these people on and off all the time anyway, so it's, it's not a question of having just a party, you know, and inviting them. And I gather Yuri Geller came around the other day and nearly baked yeah. all your spoons. Yes, he did. <laughs> Tell us about that. Well, he did. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he, but he, he's, every time he comes here, he's, he goes to all the spoons in the cutlery. And <laughs> you have to restock. Yeah. Uh, do you yeah. believe in his uh, powers? Yeah, he's, he's an impressed? extraordinary man. Yeah. Yes, he's a very extraordinary individual and... Uh, yeah, he's um, he's definitely got some special gift, but uh, he's been a good friend for quite a few years now, Yuri. And what about Michael Jackson? Because you, you work with him. Michael's a good pal too. Yeah. I mean, f- whatever he's going through, he's um, he's a very talented man, a great musician, great singer, and you know whatever what's going on personally with him uh, at the moment, that doesn't t- doesn't take that away. You know? and, uh, so you know, he's, I'm still a big fan of Michael's and a good friend. Do you kind of want to reach out and help him in some way? Or just yeah, I, I think he needs all the support emotionally he can get. He's a human being, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, he may have been a bit reckless and irresponsible, but um, I just think he's been guided. He, or he hasn't had enough friends around him to guide him in the right direction because nobody has been or had the guts to say, you know, you shouldn't be doing that, Michael. Mm-hmm. Even if they weren't around him when he was doing it, Problem is, he did a lot of things in private that people didn't know about. So it's um, it's hard when he is such a, a nice guy you know, and a great talent. Have you been in touch with him? Have you... He he about a year ago he showed up 
at my house in Miami, it was some pouring rain, he was banging on the back door. And I wasn't there, I was over here. And my mother answered the door and said, oh, he's not here, he's in England. So he went next door to Barry's house and stayed there for a few days. But he often does that, you know, he just goes in, into the house and, and stays, hangs out and does some recording at the studio. And, it's going through a hell of a time. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm very, very, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah, I don't think you can uh, abandon someone who's going through a lot of misery like that. You know? mm-hmm. Everyone is, you know, that is successful. You know, the average person seems to think, oh, let's put the boot in, you mm-hmm. know. It serves him right. We want to see him crumble, you know. Or he's got enough money, he can afford it. Well, that's not the point. That's not the point. You know, for, for years, they don't mind watching somebody be successful and... and uh, and give something to the world, and then they're 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 ready to to watch the watch him fall apart, you know. Do you feel you've been given the credit that you deserve, and do you feel you always have been? I, I don't I don't know. I've never analysed things like that. Mm. I just get on and enjoy my life. I mean, you know, some people feel that they should be better appreciated, that they should be given more awards or mm. more. Well, I mean, with, with or... yeah, but I mean. How do you gauge that? I mean, any artist, whether you're Elton John or McCartney, I mean, they could be thinking the same things. Mm. I mean, I think McCartney's been criticised quite a lot in his career. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he's ever gotten the credit that he deserves. Mm. He's, uh, he's always been judged quite wrongly on his, his projects, and um, he's always come under flack. And so, you know, when does an artist sit down and say, well, I haven't got the credit I deserve, but I know what I've achieved, you know? Mm. I mean, you can't always get everybody loving you at once. You know, so you just have to get on and do what you like. To what extent do you see this amazing property as a sort of total of some of your achievements? And sort of, you look back at you look at me, I learned this. I don't look at property really as a, as a sense of achievement. Um, I, I think as, as there are forms of recognition. I, I think you have to look at your, your achievements. Uh, and, and how they affect the culture and where the music industry is now, and, and the influence it's having on, on people today. I know our music is still influencing people today and new artists when they go into the studio. I think that's an important thing, mm. and it's an indication of what you've what you've done, and and how you're still influencing people in, in new music artists coming up. And I think that's an important thing, uh, and that's an ongoing influence. What do you like most about this house? I like the age of the house. It's, um, you know, I love history. I think that's what attracted me in the first place. So, you know, it's over a thousand years old. It's older than Westminster Abbey, and it has a, a soul to it. Which, mm. Do you think you'll always live here? Uh, I don't know. I don't know whether I'll always live here. If I do, it'll be in a house. That's, if I move, it'll be in a house older, because I always I like the feel. I like a house that's been lived in for centuries. Mm. Do you feel more secure here than anywhere else in the world? No, I don't feel. I don't feel secure anywhere. Because I don't think there's any such thing as security in you know mo- you know physical security or most security anywhere. I think mean, that's a, it's a psychological thing. Um, but I'm happy not being in one place too long. I like to keep changing my environment. So yeah. Might you ever sell this place? I don't think I'll sell it. Uh, I don't think it's a question. But you know, when I say I don't mean living in a place, I mean I'll always probably have it. But being in different places, I mean I've got a house in Miami and changing and changing my environment every night. I'm happy doing that. Maybe you know your feelings on Duena's interest in druidry. I don't know too much about druidism. That's the only thing. I mean, Duena doesn't practice it that much. Right. It's sort of been over-exaggerated. Yeah, I think it has, yeah. So it's not something... I mean, you, you can ask her about it, because I don't know much about mm. it. You don't particularly share that interest? No. no I'm, just, uh, I'm just... As I am, I just, mm. just go from day to day. Maybe know how religious you are. 
I'm not religious at all. Not religious at all. Have you not felt a need to find a faith? No, not at all. I think they're responsible for a lot of killings in the world, and I sort of, I believe in a private God, a personal God, but I don't believe in a God of uh, of the organised religions. What do you mean, personal God? The God, angels, yeah, a God, a God that I can pray to, rather than a God that a particular religion says I have to pray to, or praying. an idealism. In mentally, yeah, I'm not really. I was able to do a lot of praying, but I don't, I don't find the need to have an established religion in my life. Mm. You know, that those rules imply. Because you know. most people pray when they want something, but most people would say, "Do you?" I mean, they can't yeah. actually want in this world because. Yeah. Well, it's material things, so it's emotionally, um, to make you stronger for something, I suppose. Um, but I don't think I know who that God is. I know that, that, that there might be a power. How do you feel about the state of the world today? A lot of people are very worried, and you spend a lot of time in America, and that seems to be the source of a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Um, I feel safer over here, actually, than I do in America, but then, you know. I, when I say that, nothing to do with Al-Qaeda or anything like that. America's always been a pretty dangerous society. I mean, you get snipers shooting at you in the streets of Washington on highways, you know. They have, you know, the Oklahoma bombings were done by Americans, you know, not by Arabs and, and Muslims, you know, it was done by their own. So it has always been a dangerous place. Have the Beatles ever been threatened? Yeah. Uh, I, only afterwards. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, you never know if somebody's going to try anything... And unless somebody finds out, but you know, I found out that someone was going to try to shoot us on one show in in Los Angeles, and uh, and had shot and, and and missed, you know. So really, oh yeah, but it's not unusual. It's happened to other artists as well, and yeah. because everybody, you know, because you're on stage, you're a sitting target, you know, for a loony. Somebody in the audience shot. Oh yeah, movies. yeah, but it's not. It, 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 this has happened before. It's happened to Fleetwood Mac. It's it's happened to Aerosmith. It's. Um, one, I ever spoke to it once and it hit the mic. How did you find out this? You know, John Lennon was on stage one night and somebody threw a dart and it hit his mic. Right where his mouth is. A dart. Well, it hit the mic and it stuck in the mic. Yeah. It's amazing. How did you find out what had happened to you then? To you, because somebody told me afterwards they arrested him. And actually, how many bullets have you fired of what gun? Um, it, members of the audience reported and they showed him he fired twice. And missed, it's hard to miss the three of you, isn't it? Yeah. God. And what year was that? About 1989 or something like that, in ninety. Uh, and did you take precautions after that, so bodyguards? Well, yeah, but there's nothing really... Uh, you have them in the audience, but there's yeah. nothing you can really do. Yeah. And it's only recently you've started screening yeah. you know, weapons at shows. Yeah. How do you feel about flying? Because you do a lot of that, obviously. Don't mind flying. Right. Yeah, it's, right. it's the best way to get somewhere it's safer. Mm. And what are your kind of hopes for the future at this stage? Get on and just be happy and get and do projects that please you and and keep finding enthusiasm in things and enjoy life. What about the UK? Are you gonna play some concerts over here? Yeah, but it'll be me and Barry will be doing those. Right. Uh, that's what I'll reserve the UK and America for both me and Barry, as well as the, the continent, you know. And uh, the future will be mostly me and Barry. And when do you think those more concerts might happen? Or when? Definitely next year. Right. And an album? And an album, yeah, in two thousand and five, for both of us. Have you got a title for that yet? Not yet, no. Totally won't start on it until the fall of this year. What sort of songs would there be? Then? It'll be R&B, um, uh, influenced, as, as BG Music always has been, and uh, in that flavour, you know, black American music. Mm. 
What about Fame Academy? Is there going to be any more, and are you going to be involved? Uh, I probably will be involved again, but there won't be one this year. Right. There will probably be next year. Because when I last saw you, you were very anti-Fame Academy, and then suddenly you were doing... Well, it wasn't anti-Fame Academy as a programme, it was only more of, of, the, of the, the, the process of... And the reason why I was anti most of the shows was because the, the system where they were choosing the artists, for instance... The, the handful of artists that got on were the ones that were being judged, but who was judge, Who was actually deciding who got on in the auditions, you know? And um, to me, um, it was just the, the process that I thought that a lot of very talented people weren't getting past the auditions, you know? So, um, but I, and also, the, who was choosing it? The people who were actually judging these people. So, you know, it, I felt I was contributing something by being a judge on the Academy. How satisfied are you with your life at this stage? Pretty satisfied. I think if I had to do it all over again, I probably wouldn't do anything different. So I probably lived the life that I wanted to live, and I think that's, you know, when you have your own choices, that's pretty good. Mm. And finally, a message for the German fans who want to come and see you out there. Just don't bring any guns to the show. <laughs> <laughs> a few darts, perhaps. <laughs>